Hello, women's healthcare peeps. We are back. This is part two. Remember, we're summarizing and highlighting the new ACOG practice bulletin coming out in August 2021 on the prediction and prevention of preterm birth. And in this session, we're going to tackle the issue of progesterone. Whether you're a medical student, nursing student, resident, nurse practitioner, or anybody else in women's health care, we're here for you. This is Clinical Pearls. BirthTracks.com What is BirthTracks.com? It's an online platform for medical students, residents, OBGYNs, and midwives to track important information about their birth and procedure outcomes. And listen to this. If you are a student or resident, BirthTracks.com is completely free to use for an entire year. Why BirthTracks? Because it allows for accountability for improved patient outcomes. It helps identify areas in need of quality improvement, and you can use these stats to grow and promote your practice or just grow and track your training. Intrigued? I'm going to give you more information about BirthTracks.com a little bit later on in this podcast. Preterm birth prophylaxis with progesterone has been studied since the 1960s, with many reports showing a benefit. In fact, the ACOG actually endorsed 17-hydroxyprogesterone for all patients with a previous history of preterm birth, and this started back in 2003. Now, although many reports had shown similar success, like the original trial, in the prevention of preterm birth once it was put out into clinical practice, some subsequent studies did not show benefit from 17-hydroxyprogesterone. The post-marketing follow-up trial, called PROLONG, evaluated the efficacy of 17-hydroxyprogesterone as a 250mg injection compared with placebo for preterm birth and neonatal morbidity among women with singleton pregnancies who had prior spontaneous preterm births. This study was a large, international, multi-center, randomized, controlled, and double-blind study conducted from 2009 all the way until 2018. The study demonstrated no statistical difference in the two primary outcomes of preterm birth before 35 weeks and neonatal composite index of morbidity. No differences were detected in other perinatal or maternal outcomes either. This study was published in 2020, and then in March of 2021 came the EPIC trial. The EPIC trial was out of the Lancet in March of 2021. This was a systematic review of randomized trials comparing vaginal progesterone, intramuscular 17-hydroxyprogesterone, or oral progesterone for the prevention of preterm birth. The EPIC trial stood for Evaluating Progesterones for Preventing Preterm Birth International Collaborative, or EPIC. This study used published and unpublished RCTs and included participants who were asymptomatic women at risk of preterm birth. The risks was because they had either a previous spontaneous preterm birth or they had a short cervix defined as less than or equal to 25 millimeters. Now, unlike the prolonged trial, the conclusion was that preterm birth at less than 34 weeks was reduced with either vaginal progesterone or 17-hydroxyprogesterone in these high-risk pregnancies, and the absolute risk reduction was greater for women with a short cervix. Here is the big clinical pearl from that epic March 2021 trial. That current meta-analysis supported the use of either 17-hydroxyprogesterone or vaginal progesterone to prolong pregnancy, even with the inclusion of the negative findings from the prolonged trial. 
All right, everybody's still with me? We've covered two very big trials that came out from 2020 and 21. 2020 was the prolonged trial that kind of ex-nade progesterone as an IM injection. But then in March of 2021, it was back in the fight saying, yeah, it looked like it's okay. Although the burden of data, the burden of efficacy seemed to lie with vaginal progesterone. Don't forget to go to birthtracks.com. This is so easy to use. This is your personal data entry tool designed for providers to quickly enter birth data at 2 a.m. It only takes one to two minutes on your mobile phone or your computer. This is a way to keep all your personal OB outcomes data all on one dashboard. Vaginal birth counts, primary cesarean rates, operative vaginal births, emergency cesarean rates, postpartum hemorrhages, VBAC success rates, vaginal lacs, NICU admissions, preterm birth rates, low APGARs, and even breastfeeding stats. As an added plus, it allows you to customize your data collection so you get to decide what kind of outcomes you want to track. Get the stats that you need easily and quickly with no need to go through the process of medical record reviews or hand calculating from a birth log. BirthTracks.com actually allows you to use the platform for free for 60 days. And as we stated before, if you're a student or a resident, it's free for an entire year. So go to BirthTracks.com now and get started for free for better accountability, better tracking, and better better patient care. Good. We've said all that. So what does ACOG say about all this? Because one trial says yes, the other says no. Well, what does the college say? Remember, the idea about progesterone, the discussion for progesterone, really is based on two things. Does a patient have a prior history of preterm birth? And what is her cervical length? Remember, we use a cutoff of 25 millimeters to find a short cervix. Well, for singleton pregnancies with no previous preterm birth, but who found to have a short cervical length of 25 millimeters, then vaginal progesterone is recommended. For singleton pregnancies with a previous history of preterm birth, then either progesterone as an IM injection or vaginal progesterone can be offered as part of, quote, shared decision making. Now, remember, this is a new thing because previously women with a previous history of preterm birth went straight for 17-hydroxyprogesterone. But now the college says that you can either offer the IM injection or vaginal progesterone to those women who have a prior history. Now, it seems to be that starting this progesterone is better earlier rather than later, and it seems to be that starting it at 16 weeks gives the highest efficacy. Now, remember that the college makes it very clear. Intramuscular 17-hydroxyprogesterone is not recommended for the prevention of preterm birth in patients who don't have a history of spontaneous prior preterm delivery. You know, I need like a cowbell because that's a great way to get people's attention, right? A cowbell would be great right about here, because listen to this. Right now, there's ongoing trials directly comparing vaginal progesterone to 17-hydroxyprogesterone. So the college says that this guidance right now of shared decision-making, they can kind of pick whichever one they want when they have a previous history of preterm birth, that may change based on the available data. So what's the take-home? Well, the take-home is shared decision-making. With some trials showing efficacy for 17-hydroxyprogesterone and others not, the college recognizes that at this time, both are still options. In women with a previous history of preterm birth, offer either 17-hydroxyprogesterone weekly injection or vaginal progesterone. But the burden of evidence, really the burden of efficacy, does seem to favor the vaginal approach in women with a previous history. 
Now, a quick word about ultrasound indicated cerclage. That's placing a cerclage based on a certain size or length of the cervix found at ultrasound. For singleton pregnancies without a history of preterm birth, the college states that there's insufficient data to recommend an ultrasound-indicated cerclage, but it is possible that there could be some benefit if the cervical length is less than 10 millimeters. But for singleton pregnancies with a previous preterm birth history, if they are already on progesterone, then consider a cerclage if the cervix hits 25 millimeters or less. Now remember that ultrasound-indicated cerclage is not indicated, there's just insufficient data for multiple gestations regardless of cervical length. There's also no real data that 17-hydroxyprogesterone injection or vaginal progesterone helps reduce the risk of preterm birth in multiple gestations. Now, unlike those statements for ultrasound-indicated cerclage, the college says something very different for physical exam-indicated cerclage, in which case it says that you can consider that for singleton pregnancies with or without previous preterm birth history who present with gross cervical dilation under 24 weeks. Even in multiple gestations, the college states that a physical exam-indicated cerclage can be considered. You see, the difference between ultrasound indicated and physical exam indicated is that cervical length is just cervical length, just a risk factor. But a physical exam indicated cerclage is when you actually see dilation and you've got to actually do something about it. Individuals with cervical insufficiency based on a dilated cervix on digital or speculum exam between 16 weeks and 23 weeks in 6 days can be candidates for a physical examination indicated cerclage. Examination indicated cerclage may be of benefit in the appropriate selected candidate. However, the data regarding the optimal selection criteria are just unclear. Of course, contraindications are clinical situations in which cerclage would represent a significant threat to maternal health or in which there's just not a benefit anticipated for the fetus, like fetal demise, a fetal anomaly that's incompatible with life, if there's suspected intrauterine infection, if there's active bleeding, or if there's active preterm labor or if the patient is ruptured. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market and as we come to a wrap a quick word about cervical pessary and the prevention of preterm birth well, it doesn't. According to the college, it's just not indicated either with a singleton or multiples, either with or without a previous history of preterm birth. So avoid the pessary fitting, it's just not indicated. We've done it. We've covered the new practice bulletin from the College of August 2028, which is Practice Bulletin 234. I know it's a lot of information. We had to do this in two parts. But man, that was pretty good stuff, huh? I mean, it's going to change the way I practice. So remember, the data is moving quickly on progesterone and new trials are underway. So stay tuned to Clinical Pearls because we'll bring those to you as soon as they're hot off the press. Thanks for being part of our listening family and we'll see you on another episode of Clinical Pearls. <laughs>